Hi, I'm Rohan Dharm Kumar, the host of First Principles. If you're listening to this, it means you'll only be able to hear a small part of our entire episode. To hear the full version, click on any of the full episode links right below. We also have links in the show notes. Don't worry, it's still completely free and widely available. Just not here. All right, on to the show now. You got to hit as many doors as you can. Uh, not very counterintuitive. But I'll be I think everybody most likely knows if they want to invest in you in the first call itself. Uh, after that they're just reasoning it out for themselves. So that comes back to saying if you hit as many doors, hmm. then this will end up getting triggered at some point. Got it. Because it's just that. It seems like, you know, uh, you're talking to like instead of talking to 100 people, talk to 1000 people. the probability of somebody going ahead and liking you in the first hour is much higher and then they will be constantly working at convincing themselves hello and welcome to first principles a brand new podcast from the ken where we ask some of india's most successful entrepreneurs and leaders about their lenses that's right the lenses that equip them to see and interact with the world differently than others on the one hand these could be personal philosophies mental models or decision making frameworks and on the other hand their reading habits parenting styles or personal interests i'm rohin dharma kumar ceo and co-founder of the ken and the host of this show my endeavor will be to make each episode an authentic candid and insightful conversation about the lenses each guest puts on and how they help them navigate both work and life differently than most of us My guest in our very first episode is Kabir Biswas, the co-founder and CEO of Dunzo, one of India's most recognizable and fastest-growing quick commerce companies. But the Dunzo we see today has very little in common with what it started as. Kabir himself landing up at people's doorsteps in Bengaluru to pick up and deliver something, anything they wanted. So let's dive right in and see the world through Kabir's lenses. All right Kabir what's a one line description of what is Danzo one lines hmm Danzo is trying to build the largest convenience uh, what you call product for urban indian customers we focus on two big categories one is for customers to be able to buy their daily and weekly essentials and the second one is for us to be able to enable logistics for every local merchant or enterprise out there in the country that's a mouthful um if if you told that to my mom she wouldn't understand could i ask you to rephrase how you would tell my mom what danzo is aunty do you want to be able to go ahead and buy stuff grocery and it can come to you quickly in the next 20 minutes time and also do you want to send something to rohin uh, that you made last evening uh, both of those are possible by just going ahead and pay, uh, opening up danzo great I mean that's a great answer and I'm sure um she'll understand it well she's a customer um Yay. so she already understands it um Kabir what I'm going to do is for the benefit of our listeners I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about Danzo sure and you have the freedom to answer those questions or to decline to answer those questions so I'm going to ask you how big a bunch of questions around how big Danzo is today how many monthly orders are you doing these days we do about 8 to 10 million monthly transactions 
Wow. Um, how big is your organization in terms of people? Uh, on roles, we have about 1,300-1,400 people. Uh, we now, of course, have our, what you call, uh, delivery partners also that are on the ground. So we have close to about 60-65,000 delivery partners. Um, and of course, the off-roll uh, people on the team are close to about 5,000 or off-roll people. Wow. And across how many cities? Uh, we are in about 10 cities now. And how many customers do you have? We have about 5 million monthly customers. These are massive numbers. Um, what's your revenue? <laughs> the revenue and the transaction volume numbers, I think you will get to read, hopefully in an annual report that we put out at some point. Great. All right. Uh, what's the total quantum of venture funding that you've raised? Lots. Um Think You're doing the to, math in your head. I think close to about $350 million. Got it. And what was your last valuation? Um, I think you can backward calculate it based upon ROC filings, but about $800 million. Got it. Um, you said in your explanation that you can like you know get stuff delivered in about 20 minutes. What would be your average order delivery time? like, you know, across operations? Oh, that's, uh, so our average is close to about, what do you call, um, 19 to 20 minutes. P95, which I think is more important, uh, is closer to about 24, 25. Sorry, what's P95? Um, so you have 100 uh, orders being delivered from what you call, uh, in increasing, uh, uh, what you call, amount of time that you have taken. So the first, so your quickest order was in six minutes, but your 100th order, suppose, got delivered in like, um, Say 45 minutes. Got it. P95 is the 95th percentile, right? So over Got there, it. it's about 24, 25. Great. Thank you for all those answers um, <laughs> and for your candor. The last time when we had like a really long interview was in 2018. It's been and that I asked you, uh, yes. Uh, and I asked you what was your last valuation and your last post-money valuation was $30 million. Um, obviously, you've traveled a long uh, way since then. Uh, earlier this year, you raised what, about $250 million, close to about. that, right? And you're again raising somewhere between $200, $300 million. We're not necessarily in the market right now to raise capital. Right. Other than the fact that every company is raising all the time, we're not necessarily in the market to raise capital right now. Got it, great. So obviously you've traveled a huge distance since we last met. One of the phrases that stuck with me from when we spoke the last time was an advice that you'd got. Don't make this a binary outcome. Right? Um, have you managed to... Do you want to explain what that means uh, for people and whether you've managed to actually, like, you know, not make it a binary outcome? I would hope so, that this isn't a binary outcome. Um I haven't thought what about is, that phrase for a really long time yeah. uh, because I think we m most likely have gone past it a while back. Uh, but I do know who told me that, which I think um, I must uh, thank them after this conversation. Um, I think a binary outcome is basically saying, you know, uh, either you do really well or you do zero, um, right? Um, and I think we set ourselves up for um, either outlier success or failure. Um, I think increasingly over the last three, four, three years, right, of building this. Um, I've come to that point where I'm like, companies are about building blocks and, you know, you need to be able to build uh, block three after you have built one and two, um, right? And 
potentially you are on what you call journeys that are unlimited if you want to be able to imagine them. Uh, but it's got to do with your what you call vision and imagination of what you can build with a business. Um, and so I think once we went ahead and what you call crossed the basic PMF bit where, you know, uh, we figured what out was that? What? So, the product market fit in terms of one, uh, making sure that there was high retention and we were able to go ahead and make money at a PNL EBITDA level. I think commerce businesses, just retention isn't enough. Uh, PMF is only when you can actually make money. Um, so I think we were able to achieve both of them in Bangalore multiple times because we have gone ahead and used Bangalore as a model market for ourselves, uh, where every, what you call, 12 to 15 months of one spurt of scale, uh, we go back and try and figure out as to whether the unit economics are making sense, even when we do new categories and stuff like that. Uh, we are big fans of ma making sure that that's true. Um, I think so once we figure out our first bits of unit economics um, and then scale that across what you call cities, um, I think it stopped being a binary outcome uh, where, you know, okay, it would be a complete dud. Uh, because when we met that time, it could have been a complete zero also, um, right? Um, and I know specifically who's told me this, so I remember it from that perspective. Um, so I think we have, we have passed that point. But I'll be honest, I don't think in the, uh, in the startup ecosystem or in the venture world, uh, and I think this is a phrase that I read from Amazon, by the way, which I, which I really like. Um, I think Bezos said this, he's like, Amazon's going to someday run out of money and go bankrupt. Our job is to, as Amazonians, is to make sure that we can delay it as far as possible. Right? It's an incredible quote, right? Um, it also, if you have read Only the Paranoid Survive, etc., all of those things linked into it uh, altogether. Uh, I don't think it's important to anymore think about the binary outcome, but I think we have built value. Uh, that's how we think about it. Uh, what is the right value for it? Who knows? Uh, but yeah. I think we, over the last three years time, we have been able to build a value that, uh, that we can be proud of at least. I think that I think is the, is the driving force by itself where customers at scale can today tell us that we are solving problems for them in their lives. In some ways then the binary outcome concept is pretty much what's standard in the VC space, right? Go big or go home. Um, entrepreneurs, startups are taught that either you aim for the stars and succeed or you fail and that's like you know almost like a given right is there is there like a counter philosophy that you have perhaps for that which is go big or go somewhere else i think how you go big is very important um, and i think it's very important to talk about the house uh, uh, when people do stuff right uh, when we must have last met um, i think our scale was at a point where at early stages what are the rates You've reached the end of the first part of the podcast. To listen to the full episode, click on any of the full episode links on the page or head to the show notes and find the links. The episode is still completely free and widely available, just not here. Once again, thanks for tuning in.